Uh, we are going to continue on in our gospel series, which we are now in week 42. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 15. Is going to be our main text today. Last week, we uh, we found ourselves in the, the 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 series of events where a few weeks ago we talked about Jesus feeding the five thousand, and then we talked about Jesus and Peter walking on the water, and then last week we read the story of the the crowds that had been fed by Jesus coming to pursue more from him. They really just wanted more food, more things. And so we talked about seeking Jesus, seeking God for all of the wrong reasons, as we sometimes can. And Jesus talked a lot about he is the bread of life. And there's so many ways that we can try to fill that void with some other type of bread. And often it's success or education or money or power or or influence or whatever it is, and again and again and again, we will always find that those things do not fill that need in our lives. And so they're seeking him for the wrong reason, and then I kind of threw the challenge out for us, like what is the bread that we are seeking to fill our lives with? And so from there, we're going to continue into the next part of the story. First, I want to tell you about my... One of my grandfathers, not the one that raised me, you guys have been with me for a while, know my grandpa raised me, but I have another grandpa who was full-blooded Italian, but looked exactly like Colonel Sanders. Okay, so I want you to imagine this, full-blooded Italian, five foot two on a good day, full-blooded Italian, the family argues, I, I think he was in the mafia. The rest of my family say, no, not at all, and I'm like, I think so. Anyways, that doesn't matter. What does matter is my grandfather, very Italian, and uh, he had certain rules. I don't know if you guys had this with grandparents. Certain rules. For some reason, my grandpa, whose name was Orlando Curlio, okay? Did I mention he was Italian? (laughs) Orlando Curlio. We called him Papa Curly. Papa Curly had a thing about you better wash your hands before you sit down at my table. I mean, like, hardcore. Like, if I sat down, even at five, six years old, at the dinner table, and he could see that grimy little junk on my hands, he would be just, get away from my dinner table. Go wash your hands. Did anybody else have a grandpa, grandma, who was just hardcore about the wash your hands? He was, also, he was just hardcore. If I put an elbow on the table... Heaven help me. Oh my goodness. Like that sort of thing. It was just a part of him. And I don't actually think it was really about having clean hands. It was just what you did. It was how he lived life. You wash your hands before you sit down at the table. We're going to talk about something similar to that today. We're going to jump back over to Matthew. Last week we were in John. We're going to jump back to Matthew because Matthew and Mark tell us a part of this story that John skips over. So in the last 24-hour period, all of these things have happened. Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's walked on water. Peter's tried to walk on water. Didn't go super well for him. The people came and tried to get what they could from Jesus. He tells them, you need to be seeking greater bread, the bread of sustenance for eternal life. And amongst these crowds, so picture Jesus is in Capernaum, which is kind of his adopted hometown now. And there's thousands of people seeking him. 
but there's also this group of Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders, have come all the way down from Jerusalem to watch what he's doing, to listen to his words. And it seems that they're going to take the opportunity here to speak up, and they're going to kind of, I don't know if they raise their hand, but they say, hey, speaking of bread, we have a question for you. So we're going to jump into that. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. If you have your Bible, your device, if not, it'll be on the screen for you as well. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy over you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So like we said, the Pharisees and Sadducees, or the Pharisees and scribes come, they make the journey all the way from Jerusalem to Capernaum to check out with what Jesus is doing. And honestly, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you are a person who is in a position of spiritual leadership of a group of people, like they were over Israel, and you hear about some rabbi who's teaching things, you should probably go and find out if what he's teaching is true, find out if, if it's biblical. And so they go. However, these men are not concerned about whether or not what Jesus is teaching is biblical and true. They're concerned about, is he following our traditions? Is he doing life the way that we think he should do life? Their measurement of the actions of Jesus is not Scripture, it's not right and wrong. It is, are you doing things the way we want you to do things? That's their measurement. Do you follow our traditions? And when they talk about the tradition of the elders, they're talking about the oral law. Not the Word of God, not the Old Testament. They have a whole other book. It became a book. It's called the Mishnah. And they said that it goes all the way back to Moses. And Moses would say things. And somebody would eventually memorize those things. And then for generations, it was the oral law, the traditions that had been passed down. Eventually, they turn it into a book and they say, you need to follow the Mishnah. And so they don't only have the word of God. They've got their thing that they've added to it. And they basically hold that book in equal esteem with the words of God. Now, we still see this today. There are groups of people some even Christian people who have these other writings that they say these are holy writings as well and they put them up on this level with the scriptures and I think that's one of the most dangerous things that we can possibly do because we start to say the traditions of man are just as important as the word of God. I 
grew up in a different tradition. I'm not going to pick on them, but I will say this. I, I remember going as a teenager and asking them a question about something that they taught in their church. And I said, I can't find this in the Bible anywhere. Will you help me find it in Scripture? And they said, well, it's not in Scripture. It's our tradition. And I said, well, how, how can that be just as important as the Bible? And I was told by a church leader Sometimes traditions are just as important as Scripture. That's tough for me. I did not continue on in that tradition. Because to me, the Word of God is holy, and everything else must be subservient to the Word of God. They held it in this high esteem. You can see it in the very first question they ask. What's their first question? It's not... Are you subscribing to the word of the, of the Lord? Their first question is, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. You can see right here, their concern is for why Jesus' disciples are not following the Mishnah, the traditions of the people, not are they following the commands of Scripture. Now, to give you a little bit of context, because I can see somebody out there is like a germaphobe, and they're like, I think it's a really good idea for them to wash their hands. And yes, it is a really good idea for them to wash their hands. Even a better idea we now know than they knew then. But that's not what this is about. This is not a question of hygiene. It was a question of, are you following the traditional ceremonies that mankind has said, you need to do this in order to be pure for God. But they're not things that God said that you need to do to be pure for him. I'm sure you can make a jump pretty easily to something in your life that somebody has said, you need to do this in order to be pure for God. And then you're like, I don't remember reading that in Sunday school. That's a tradition that somebody else has said, this is what you need to do. If you were a good traditional Jew at this time, you would sit down to every meal and you would have somebody assist you and you would hold your hands like this with your fingers apart so that the water could get total coverage. But it was only about an egg and a half of water, just a little bit of water. You would hold your hands and they would pour the water so that it would go all through your fingertips. And so it's not like, we're not talking about like dial soap here that kills all the germs. It's just water. You hold your hands like this, it would go down, and then as soon as it got down to your palms, you'd turn your hands over, and that was the way that you ceremonially made your hands clean. If you were a really, really good Jew, you did that between every course of the meal, not just at the beginning of the meal. And so they had these traditions, and you could make yourself look even more spiritual if you do it more often. And that is what they were questioning Not the hygienic mode of washing your hands. They're questioning the ceremony. Can you imagine doing something like this? I was thinking about this this morning. I feel like this would be the same as one of the traditions that we have as people. And you can make an argument that it comes from the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But one of our traditions just as Christians is we go and we might sit down to a meal and we pray before our, our meal. It's not a direct command of God to pray for every single meal. 
but it's a tradition that we have, which there's nothing wrong necessarily with traditions until they become tradition for tradition's sake or become more important than what God's called us to do. But I feel like what these guys do is if, if I was sitting down to In-N-Out Burger, which I will be in a couple weeks, I'm very excited about it. Uh, if I was sitting down to an In-N-Out Burger and I just sat down and started chowing down on that double-double and then some Christian comes in and says, how dare you not follow the tradition of the elders? Like in the middle of In-N-Out and I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. right? Like this is basically what they do. That would be hilarious, but also I'd be like, what, what church do you go to? I don't want to go there. These folks are hardcore about their traditions, and they want them to be interpreted the way that they see things interpreted. One of their rabbis at the time, a man named Rabbi Yossi, he was so hardcore about this tradition that he said, He sins as much who eats with unwashed hands as he who lays with a harlot. Yeah, pretty hardcore. It's a pretty bold statement. Jesus listens to their question. And then, again, as he kind of does, he doesn't answer their question. I love when Jesus hears a question. And he's so gracious, he doesn't say, that's a stupid question. Instead, he goes straight to the heart of the matter. He hears that question, and he responds by saying, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of tradition? So they're saying, Why don't you keep traditions? He says, You have traditions that make you break the word of God. And then he gives a specific example. I can... Almost guarantee in that moment when he's speaking to the Pharisees, these are like the most powerful people in their world spiritually. And he says that there were some gasps. Like, did he just accuse Pharisees of breaking the word of God? So he gives an example. And he begins to talk about the fifth commandment. If you know the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And then for good measure, Jesus also throws in a quote from Exodus 21 Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Right? So he says, you have this tradition. How does it apply to this? Because the word of God says to honor your father and mother. This is a direct command from God to honor your parents, to take care of them. And uh, implicit in that, in their culture where there's no such thing as retirement funds and stuff like that, you take care of your parents in their old age. But they had created a loophole. Their loophole was called, some of your Bibles might have the word korban. C-O-R-B-A-N or K-O-R-B-A-N. Korban was a tradition that they basically came up with. And in their tradition, they said, anything that I have, whether it's my bank account or my house or my couch or anything, I can declare that thing korban, which means it's dedicated to God which means I can't give it away to somebody else. But here's the loophole. You can still keep it for you. It's still yours. You can use it however you want in your own home. But because it's dedicated to God, you can't use it to bless another person, to to help another person. And so they they had this tradition where if they didn't want to help their parents in their old age, 
they would just say, sorry, Dad, Corban. They can continue to use it. They could use it for other purposes. And then as soon as they get done using it, they just say, Corban again. Right? This was their tradition. And so Jesus calls them out on this. I see some people saying, wow, is that real? Yeah, that's real. They would just say, hey, I can't use it to bless you because it's God. So God calls them out. Jesus calls them out for their manipulation. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. And then he quotes from Isaiah, basically calling them out again, like you, your hearts are far from me. In vain you worship me. And listen to that, that last line there. It's so good. We, gotta, we have to take this seriously. Teaching as doctrines the commands of men. This is incredibly dangerous for us. When we start to teach the traditions of man as doctrines of Scripture, we can't do this. We can't turn our own desires into the Word of God. Jesus' big point here is that the religious people are not only placing their traditions on par with the direct commands of God, but they are actually using their traditions to create loopholes in the commands of God. The oral law was supposed to be, when they originally started to talk about it, the rabbis would say, it's a fence that goes around the law to protect you from falling into the pit of breaking the law. So it's, it's a, a, a protection, but it ends up becoming this manipulation and this distortion of what the law was supposed to be, which was for God to bless his people and to call them to holiness. I don't want you to miss that. That idea of teaching the doctrines of man as, sorry, the, the traditions of man as doctrine, because we have to be so careful. When we place our own thoughts or our opinions or our interpretation of how people should live, and those things are not coming from the word of God, it's a dangerous place to be. One great Bible commentator, one of my favorites, N.T. Wright, says, By teaching as fundamental law what is in fact only human custom, rather that divine revelation, they are guilty of hypocrisy, play-acting. They are claiming to be teachers of God's truth and law, but in fact they are only teaching human traditions. And I think we can all fall into this. I know I can. Like without, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but like there are things that I look at and I see Christians do, and I'm like, mm, Christians shouldn't do that. But it's not Scripture. The Bible doesn't tell me that specifically. It's just my opinion. Right? I think we all have some things like that. There's something that just kind of drives you the wrong way. And that's okay. We all have those things. But when you start to turn those things into the Word of God, when they're not, you're in a very dangerous position. Let's read the next part, Matthew 15, 10 through 20. This whole section is what I named this sermon after. What defiles? What is it that defiles a person? Verse 10. And he called the people to him, this is Jesus, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. 
This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? I love that line. Did you know you offended the Pharisees? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, It's always Peter. Explain this parable to us. And he said, are you still so without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Jesus starts this part by saying, hear and understand. This is Jesus' way of saying, listen up, pay attention. This is like when I preach and I've been droning on for 20, 30 minutes, and then I say, hey, listen, don't miss this part. Jesus doesn't drone on. He's always interesting. But this is his way of saying, listen, Pay attention. And then he starts just dropping wisdom bombs on the crowds. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. The religious teachers were so concerned with following the traditions and laws that make them ceremonially wash their hands to make sure that they don't become accidentally defiled, and yet they were paying very little attention to to what was actually coming out of their mouths, their hypocrisy, their abusive language. I have to say this. Allow me a second on my little soapbox. I've heard this scripture used so many times, and the only thing that people say is like, this is why you shouldn't say bad words. It's not what this is talking about, okay? I'm not saying people should cuss and curse, especially you fourth and fifth graders that are in here today. I'm not saying, go ahead, let them fly. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this scripture is not just talking about the things that come here. If you say bad words, you're not a Christian. That's not it. This is a tradition that man at some point has put on this level of the word of God. The word of God does say, don't let unwholesome things come out of your mouth. But that's a much bigger conversation than just certain four-letter words. There's a lot more to that. How do I know that? Because the scripture tells us exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about evil thoughts is the general idea. If you read that list, it actually is, it's almost like a list that starts with evil thoughts and then colon and then tells you six versions of what evil thoughts are. So it says at least evil thoughts like murder or we know Jesus says, or just wanting to murder. Adultery, or even thinking about adultery. Sexual immorality, or just lusting. Whoa. Theft, false witness, slander. On and on. These are the things that Jesus is talking about. The things that come from our heart and out. It's not just about, do you talk nice? Are you a socially acceptable person to be around? It's not that. 
It's what is flowing out of your heart and your mind. That's what Jesus is talking about. Someone might ask, Nick, why do you care about this? Because I've, I've done this before. Why do you care about whether or not people think that this scripture is just about saying bad words? Shouldn't we encourage people not to speak coarsely? Yes, we should. But when we minimize this just to that, we are missing so much of what God is actually calling us to. Because often I've seen the very same people who would never dare utter a four-letter word, but they'll sit right here in this room and they'll slander their brothers and sisters. They will gossip. They might even hide it by saying, hey, we should pray for this person because did you hear what she did? Maybe even worse than that, they'll just blatantly start talking about things that are immoral. But they would never say a bad word, at least not in front of you. Right? That reminds me of a joke. Did you ever hear the joke, why you should never go, if you're going to go fishing with a Baptist, always go with two? Because if you go with one, he'll drink all of your beer. But if, <laughs> if you go with two, they won't drink any of your beer. Sorry. <laughs> Strike that from the record, Sean. Thank you. Okay. I kind of jumped ahead there. (laughs) Let's go back again and read verses 12 through 14, because I don't want to skip over that. It's really important. The disciples came and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? I love this. Jesus, I I picture him just kind of wanting to be like, Yeah, that was the point. But he doesn't say that again. He's gracious. He says, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. I absolutely love this. Again, the disciples are like, do you know that you offended them? And he's like, yeah. And then he doubles down. (laughs) He says, they don't have any roots. They're not rooted into the Father. They're going to wither and die. And so he says, and this is well, again, these are some of the most powerful people in their world and he just says don't worry about them they're blind leading the blind they're going to fall into a pit they're not of any consequence don't worry about them Jesus knows what he is there to accomplish he knows who the father has called him to be to send him into the world to do the work of saving the world of bringing salvation to those that would come to him. He knows who he is, and so he's not worried about what other people have to say. Because he knows his goal is to bring the people into eternal relationship with his Father. We worry far too much about what everyone else thinks. Concerned with what they might be thought, what might be thought of you. Oh, you're, you're one of those weird Christians. Yeah. You have no idea. (laughs) Right? We need to know exactly who we are. Why God has put us here. What's our purpose? How are we a part of building the kingdom of God and reaching more people for the gospel? And don't worry about everybody else. It's blind leading the blind. You can look out into the world that we live in and see it immediately. 
blind leading the blind. Don't worry about them. Now in verse 15, Peter has another one of his Peter moments. Some are really, really good. Some are not so great. This one, not so great. But I love that Peter will always ask the question. He'll always be the one, he's like looking around, he's like, you guys, none of us understand this, right? Like, okay, I'll do it. Right? He's like, he's that guy. And so he says, uh, can you explain <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, and I love this because he asks Jesus to ex- explain the parable. And this is kind of funny because Jesus didn't tell a parable. Did you catch that? This wasn't a parable. It wasn't a story. Peter's looking for like the deeper meaning behind the story. And Jesus, again, gracious, doesn't just say, I said it pretty clearly. I, I didn't say there was a farmer. Like, no, he just said the truth. And I think Jesus' answer explains a little bit. He says, are you still without understanding? Do you not see? And then he just says the same thing again. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach as an expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. He's not telling a story. He's just, this is one of the times where Jesus just says it like really bluntly. And Peter's like, what's the actual deeper theological meaning behind what? No, he just said it. This is what's going on. I love this. He says, whatever you ingest just goes through your system and you expel it. Maybe a little bit of potty humor in the Bible. I don't know. That's what it says. Goes in the stomach, goes gone. Right? It says, but what comes out of your mouth, those things that come from your mind, your feelings, your thoughts, those are the things that reveal what is really going on in us. They reveal if there's defilement inside. And here's what's really interesting. I said all that stuff about bad words and all that stuff, and, and, and I stick to all that. But there is this reality where we need to know what is going into us because that is what defines what will come out of us. So it's incredibly interesting that the, the Pharisees and the scribes are so worried about food, they're not even talking about all of the other things that are taken in. They don't spend any time talking about being defiled spiritually by what's going on around them, all these things that can lead to these evil thoughts and the list there. It's not the food that we take into our bodies that leads to those types of sins gaining control. It's many other things that we take part in. For us in our world, if you spend any amount of time on the internet or on TV or anything, the, the quote now is, content is king. Right? We live in a time where there is more content that can be taken in than any person could fully take in in a hundred lifetimes. Millions of hours of YouTube videos and podcasts and TV shows and all these things. There's no way that we could take it all in, which is good because I think it would destroy us if we could. But I think that these things have a greater effect on us now than maybe any other time because it is everywhere. 
I think this is what Jesus is talking about. It's not about food. It's not about you know, ceremonially cleansing yourself, but it's about what's actually going into you and how is that coming out of you, right? One of my old pastors when I was a kid always said, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. I'm sure some of you heard that before. And we have to be honest with ourselves. And this is, I think, one of the greatest struggles for our generation is there is so much content There are so many things. There are so many blatant sins that are just like not even hidden in any way, shape, or form. And they are accessible at all times, 24-7, usually by just the phone in your pocket or the computer at home. And I'm not even talking about blatant sin, like just the content that we choose to fill ourselves with. Even if it's not blatantly sinful, I see so many people, and I'll throw myself in this, my wife will attest to this. If I allow myself to sit and watch the news or like, or just read Fox News or CNN for an hour, I'm so angry by the end of that time, I can barely handle myself. So why do I do that? I, ex- I explain it to myself, like, I want to be a good citizen and know what's going on. Eh. Or am I just falling for the clickbait? This person said, what? I'm mad now. And it leads to this cycle of anxiety and it leads to just worry and all these things that God told us not to live our lives lost in. So you got that, you got all this stuff that's just anxiety inducing and then you have the stuff that is just blatant sin is out there and it's just all available all the times. And so we have to be responsible for ourselves, maybe in a greater way than we ever have, that all of this stuff is available and all of those things are dictating what is going on in our hearts what's going on in our minds, and what is going to come out of our mouths. Because from the outflow of our heart comes our words. So I ask, and I know I sound like a pastor, guess what I am? Are we taking in the word of God? Are we reading it? Are we listening to sermons or podcasts that encourage our walk with God? Are we reading books that challenge us to live our lives more purposely for the kingdom of God? Or are we just saying like, oh, I don't really have time for that because I have 800 other podcasts that are going to make me feel like garbage that I need to get to? Or whatever your hobby is. Like, well, I got 15 hours of woodworking podcasts. I got like whatever it is. I don't know why that popped into my head, but what is the content that's coming in? What are the things, the media, the, the social media, the TV shows, whatever? Like, What is it that you're taking in? Because that is dictating who you are becoming inside. And there's only so long that you can hold those things apart. For a while, you can pretend that all the stuff that's coming in is not going to come out. But it will. It will. For all of us. My prayer for us today, much like last week, we're talking about these crowds, and Jesus says, stop searching for the bread that's only going to fulfill you for like one meal. You need to be searching for the nourishment that will fill you for eternal blessing. And this is the same thing. We are going to all of these things, these contents, these podcasts, these you know, TV shows, and, and maybe we're entertained for 30 minutes, and I'm not saying anything against that. I 
you guys know I love watching NFL football. Like, I'm so sad on Sundays where there's no football. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, last Sunday, first Sunday without football, I was like, today's a sad day. I wanted to make a joke about a church, but then I was like, that doesn't sound good. Anyways, strike that. Someone thinks that there's actually a stenographer up there, like, oh, okay, I won't know. Okay. I'm not saying we can't have things that entertain us. What I'm saying is everything that you take in is affecting who you are becoming. It's how we're built. We are created by God to worship. And the things that get all of our attention and all of our time will dictate the things that we then worship. So what gets the bulk of our time? What is the bulk of the content that we're taking? What is, again, the bread that we are taking in that is sustaining our lives? My prayer is that we would make the conscious decisions, all of us, to fill our minds and our ears and our eyes with the things that draw us closer to the Lord and closer to one another. Encourage all of us to live lives of purpose for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, that is my fervent prayer for myself and for all my brothers and sisters in here today. Is every single day, multiple times a day, we are faced with decisions about what we will take into ourselves, into our hearts, our minds, our bodies. And every single day, those things are impacting who we are and our witness for you and the way that we talk and the way that we live and the way that we love and all these things. And God, would you help us to intentionally say, I want to become more and more of who you've created me to be, Lord. Not just become more and more a reflection of the world around me that I know is broken. And Lord, there are times when we may even know that that's what is at stake and yet we choose to do what we know is not right for us. God, would you help us to stop that and to desire for ourselves what you desire for us, which is to be not conformed to the image of this world, but to be renewed in our thoughts and our lives and to become more and more like you, to seek you, to serve you. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen.